Live of the Console Ninjas podcast. I'm Willie, and with me this evening is Mr. Derek Ritchie. Woohoo! And Mr. Stuart Cullen. All right! All right, lads, how you doing? No bad. <laughs> After that very <laughs> excitable opening, we're no bad, we're fine. <laughs> Hey, I, I, I just got halfway through that and I sort of owned it, you know what I mean? How do you mean you, how do you, mean you owned it? Does that, does that <laughs> even mean? <laughs> Fuck me. There was right, a flow okay. and anyway, he was going with it. Right, fair enough. Before we go on a, on a mad tangent, right, um, just to, to ask you what you've been playing, boys. <laughs> Jumping right in there. No small uh, chat this week. This is it. It's a, it's a neat chat. show. It's a neat show. You don't you know why I don't have chat. When it comes to my time to talk about what I'm doing, you don't know exactly why I've no chat, because I've not had a life. But anyway, we're going to start with Mr. Richie. What have you been up to, mate? Okay, I, I've been designed to hit the indie scene on the PC for Tis the Season to, ex- you know, just ignore anything that's got a AAA budget behind it, and play The Vanishing of Ethan oh, Carter, <laughs> uh, which is by the Astronauts, which, if I remember right, is a bunch of... I know they're an ex-developer. I think it's San- Santa Monica, Sony Santa Monica Studios. I think, but what they've basically created is a investigation slash adventure game, where you, as the title suggests, investigate the disappearance of Ethan Carter. Now they are very upfront about saying they will give you no help with this game. As soon as you start it, there's just a message that says. It is a narrative-driven experience where we will give you no help at all. You have to go and investigate and go and find out about the world and about what has happened here. So you basically, that leaves you to go and explore a stunning, an absolutely stunning game to look at. It it starts in a forest which is just rich with foliage and the views and the vistas are fantastic. And from just wandering about noticing clues in the environment, on the ground, in the buildings, picking up items, placing them in places that it looks as if they should fit. Slowly but surely you begin to learn about what's happened, and throughout the adventure it will give you kind of little mini crime scenes to solve, which you have to piece together um, how the series of events unfolded to move on, this, or move on to the next although bit. Although you see... Although you say they don't um, hold you, like, you're not getting your hand held through it and stuff, but do you find it's quite easy to find? No, no easy, but you know what I mean? Do you find it's it's obvious how to go about this stuff, yeah? Surprisingly, yes, but I don't understand quite how they've done it. Normally, if you talk to the game designers, there's a theory on how you get the player to look at what they need to look at, either by a colour code, a very sort of, sort of colour code. If you look at something like Tomb Raider, the latest Tomb Raider, they did that by having flashes of white on the wall. Which is uh, yeah, exactly. So it's it's something one of the things that they try and guide you, but I can't see how they've done it here. But in the same way, there's nothing stopping you progressing, uh, to the sense that you can actually completely bypass part bypass parts of the story. But there is a very good sense of satisfaction you get from finding out how things happened, and there seems to be a very interesting mystery behind it. Which I am going to tell you nothing about. Because if I do, right. it spoils the main thrust of the story, which it is a story. It is a narrative-driven adventure. It is. There's no action, there's no guns, there's no shooting. There's nothing in that sort of vein. It, so what you're saying is, you're playing the opposite of early noir. 
not kind of. Well, early in the war was it held your hand through the whole game, and you didn't really need to do any work in the cases because anything you walked close to a piece of evidence, there was like uh, vibrations yes, and gestures yeah. and stuff. So it's not. And then it ended up with a big shooting scene at the end, of it, didn't it? It's so, not necessarily as overtly in your face as any noir is in terms of here's a big clue it might lead to something although to give it its credit in early noir if you got to the end of the case and didn't prove the case it didn't you know kick you out and say you've done it wrong do it all over again it just moved on but it's I do I don't know what it is but it's quite it's very gripping it's quite interesting at no point do you feel you're not making progress even though you can spend a large amount of time just wandering about the world. But they've seen they've managed to do it in a way that you always are moving forward in a way. And actually solving all the little mysteries is very satisfying. And it helps that everything looks as good as it does because it means it's an interesting world to explore. So it's Well Yep. That that kinda of brings me to my next question then, mate, is um I know you've said you can't tell me about the story, and that's fine. I get it. It's full of intrigue mm-hmm. to tell me would, yeah. uh, would spoil it. But what kind of setting is this? What, what are we talking about here? Because I've seen nothing about this game. I, I feel bad about it. I know I've heard everybody talking about it, yeah. but I've never seen trailers, any footage, anything. So what, what kind of game are we talking about here? Uh, to give you an indication, that after the initial blurb about the fact that there has been a disappearance, and you as this investigator have been sent in, and it's an investigator that has slightly psychic connections. You come out of uh, what appears to be an abandoned train tunnel into a forest, and then you slowly move into houses and buildings and a bunch of small kind of environments, but that make up a kind of world. It's very hard to explain. Are these um, places populated? No, it's very much. No, so it's, 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 an, very it's entirely well. I haven't finished it yet, so I don't know if the end the end might be populated. But so okay. far, it is very much an isolated game. Right. Okay. You, you uh, your whole kind of slender being left in the woods. I know it's not a horror game. Yes. But is it a horror game? I don't know. But that whole kind of you don't really know why you're just kind of left in a world by yourself to go and figure it out. Yes. Yeah. Um. And what, what kind of time period are we talking about? I I am about. I'd say about three and a half hours in, but I think I'm getting close to the end. I don't think it's any more than about five or six hours. But I think that's that's, that's good. I was kind of talking about I was kind of talking about the setting. Look, does it seem like a, is it a we talk about the past? It's very much set in day? it's set in the present where you're investigating something that happened in the past. Right. Okay. And there's definitely supernatural leanings in it, but how much they actually play a part, I don't know. The whole right. the way this game is set up is very much for you to go and explore and investigate. This is not designed to say, here's where you should go next. It gives you a world and says, go and look and explore within this world and see what you can find out. Which means, and this is something I quite like, that there's bits of the story you could miss. Yeah. But it's up to you to go and investigate it. Does it also mean that potentially I could play the story in a different order for you? Yes. Depending on where we go. Yeah, definitely. That's quite cool. I like the sound of that. Because I think... Well, I'm pretty sure that I actually triggered a puzzle that's maybe about a third of the way through before I'd finished one that was at the start. And I went back to the start because I thought, oh, I've just done this. 
and there's something happening to her that didn't happen in the first one. And by realising that and going back, I managed to trigger the first one correctly. And that then filled out a little bit more of the puzzle. The, the story is the story is definitely very interesting. It's definitely got a hook in it. And it's something that I do, I'm very interested to try and get to the end of. And it's nice to have something where you can walk around the world and feel effectively like you're doing proper investigation. If you know what I mean. You don't think things have just been left there for you as a player to go, oh look, I've walked in this predetermined direction and magically I've found it. It it feels like it's a world that has had something happen to it that you are investigating, not a level that has had things placed in it for you to walk into because you had no other choice to. Yeah, the question I'm kind of worried here because this is the this is the kicker for me because I'm really lazy. Is there much reading in this game? Uh, no, actually. Right, because I just had a feeling when you're picking up this evidence, you're going to be reading all no, this stuff. No, no, they're very good at. Everything's explained through a visual means. I don't want to tell you how or anything like that, but there is the storytelling is for the most part visual, but is supplemented with clues that involve small notes. But we're talking small notes that maybe only have, I don't know, at most a kind of page worth of reading tops. We're not talking like codexes you get in Mass Effect games or things like that. Yeah. The, the, I get the impression that the designers have very much wanted to streamline the process of you getting just enough information to wonder what's happening and also be able to right. solve what you're getting without getting overly frustrated. Sure. Because um, I've very much uh, started joining the camp of too long didn't read when it comes mm. to these games. Yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> skipping them, but as long as it's not too much, but I take it I'll need to read them to kind of get a grasp of what's going on. It helps It so. helps add a flavour, but they're probably not... I don't think they're necessarily vital, apart from one or two puzzles, but they do definitely help give you a distinct flavour as to what is going on. And it's... Right. I mean, I, I've really enjoyed going through it, and it is something that you can also play in little short bursts, so you can kind of feel you're making a bit of progress and then leave it and come back to it it's not something that you kind of go oh well if I I need to kind of keep pushing on just to feel I've done something you can spend a small amount of time in this game and feel you've progressed as opposed right. to again something that is more level based where you go well, I need to spend 40 minutes to get through this level Unfortunately, though, it sounds like something I'm never going to get to play because it's PC only. It's PC only. It has been announced as a PS4 title, which means they're obviously open to it coming onto consoles. And, as I say, unless a console supplier states definitively this is coming only to our console, anything that's got the word console debut attached to it effectively means it'll probably end up on both. You just may have to wait a little bit bit longer for it. We can all but hope... (laughs) But yes, recommended definitely. It's it is a interesting change to running, gunning, shooting, driving, stabbing, um, or I like all those things. And most people do, and I've got nothing against them myself. But sometimes it's nice to just have a little bit of a change. It is definitely is. So um, that's what you've been up that's to. That's me. Derek. That is me. That, that's that's the whole kit. Well, apart from copious amounts of uh, Forza Horizon Two, but we don't want to go there. We don't. 
I've got I've got a really bad bad disease that's an addiction with this game, which yeah, <laughs> we we don't want to okay. talk about that. Okay, so uh, Stu, what about yourself? Mate, you've been quite quiet, so let's let's hear your lovely voice. I am I um yeah this what I'm playing lots of things as always, but this week I'm going to choose one of the two games that I completed fully. I'm going to talk about Sunset Overdrive. Which um, a lot of people probably picked up in the Black Friday sales because it was going for between twenty five and thirty pound. Um, it's definitely worth that. Um, we spoke about it before. We played it at Eurogram. Somebody else played it at Eurogram. Um, yeah, we all did. I didn't get to play it, but I was at a dev session with a weed designer, so I got a bit of insight for that. Um, in fact, I think sorry to interrupt you, but I think this is for once all three members of the podcast have at least played the game. Wow. Somebody's talking about. Wow, it's a miracle. <laughs> well, it's no, it's no the Mace Rail thing. I mean, I think we'd all played Destiny, but I, me, me and Derek have both played. Yeah, this I've game played it. I've played it with Dale anyway. So, um, <laughs> me too. Whoa, yeah, <laughs> we're in the club. Yeah, Dale likes me better than he yeah. likes you, right? Yeah, My yeah, dog's yeah. bigger than your dog. Ah, <laughs> uh, you're both dobbers. It's fine. Anyway, um, okay. aye. So, Sunset City Overdrive. Um, it's it reminds me a lot of Deadpool the game and the fact that it's a game that knows it's a game and it's not so much its own game as it is a kind of Hall of Fame game so an homage yeah it's an homage to the culture so whether that be making a fool of certain things always reminding you that there's fast travel uh, your death animations reference things like Portal The Ring uh, Deadpool Terminator, um, there's a shit ton of stuff, um, mission types and stuff in it are pretty by the numbers, kill shit loads of things and just, just kill things, um, it clocked me in to full completion at about 30 hours, which is a shit ton of time to put in it, um, it's a bit heavy on collectibles, uh, there's sort of four or five main collectibles, toilet rolls, neon signs, trainers, little balloons and they're a joy to collect I think. <sighs> what was the other one balloons so there's trainers isn't there there's some yeah sneakers. trainers trainers signs toilet rolls uh, balloons and cameras and cameras that's your boy so there are your five but, main collectibles and cell phones cell phones, cell phones are not included but I'd say they, they, at least they use them they don't just have them for the sake of having them they're used as currency for yeah upgrades to both I think it's your weapons and your amps and yeah but to put it in context there's something like 750 to 800 collectibles in the game you know what I mean between each one of those five have at least 150 and then you've got 40 cell phones like you were saying there's 40 they seem to be a bit more useless the cell phones I thought they unlocked missions but they don't no they just you just get to read the text messages after them and that's it there's also billboards to graffiti. I don't know if you've seen them because it doesn't tell you anything about them. You just need to find them. There's like Fizco uh, boards where you go up and you spray paint them. They're pretty cool. Um, bit of promise as well. Um, and then there's like a few other kind of bits and pieces in it. But on the whole, it's a really enjoyable game. It's very horde-like um, in the way the enemies swarm you. Uh, you fight the OD, which are people who've drank the, the the game's based around a company called Fizco Fizco launch a new Red Bull style energy drink called Overdrive um, 
people drink overdrive and it mutates them into monsters and then there's different styles of monsters um and you have to fight them but then there's also human enemies and the human enemies put up about as much resistance as the od it's basically the skins changed um and you just fight your way through it you you meet a lot of companions through the game you meet like jocks face school and like a weird nerdy guy and then you meet this kind of girl scout Ninja ass and stuff, and it's just... or the guy, who, the, the poor guy who's playing you break. Aye, aye, aye. So um, how how did you find the shooting? Because these sort of I games basically was... live or live and die on one how good the weapons are, and two how much fun it is to shoot. For an insomniac game, in the weapons never hurt the level I expected them to hit. They're some good weapons, but they're never as ratchet. They're never a ratchet and clank level. You know, I know how ratchet and clanks are totally off the wall. This never gets to that level. It has some good things, but the basically weapons can be broken into two kinds. Area-based and single-shot-based. So mm-hmm. your area-based ones are like your TNT Teddy shoots an explodable t- bear. The dude which shoots a bowling ball. Uh, the acid spray gnome gun, which is pretty cool. And That's my the favorite. freeze gun, which freezes areas. And then your single-shots... Yeah, your, your single-shot stuff's your kind of... Uh, AK-47, which is the most standard gun ever. Uh, you've got a big, massive magnum. Uh, there's a physical... The one that files a record. Uh, there's a record gun. There's a physical laser. Um, these are all good in that, you know? Um, I started getting fun between combo and stuff. So I would like to freeze guys and then shoot the acid gun on them and then wait till they unfreeze and then the acid coats them and stuff. And it, it becomes a kind of... You create your own kind of story, no story, but your own kind of combat system for it. Add to that, they've been able to jump about places and grinding and stuff and flying about and stuff. It's all good fun. There's there's nothing heavy in it. It's a totally lightweight game, you know. Not like you'll walk in and be like, oh, I'm totally stuck at this. Everything's signposted and everything's where it's meant to be, you know. But But, that's um, that's the thing, they're not... I mean, they, they stated, they may have heard, at least saw this in the dev session, is that they're not trying to make a game that is a challenge or difficult or something that is going to frustrate no. the player. It's it's all in the means of having fun. Because I've not played a huge amount of it, but the moving about, the traversal and the shooting, I can see just enjoying on a pure get into an area and just shoot and see things explode and the craziness that the game can be. I think that's what they're going for. It just depends whether you might actually get into that and think, you know what, I need a bit more than this to I be think it's, truly satisfied. Well, it's a palate cleanser, because if you, like, the example is, right, I finished that totally, I then went on and did Shadow of Mordor, totally, totally different kind of games, but technically under the same umbrella open world, you know? It's like, mm-hmm. you could probably, if you play a lot of GTA, this would probably be a good palate cleanser, because A, you're getting into an open world and you're just getting to arse about and Say what you want, you know what I mean? There's no real laws of physics in this game. This game just lets you be what you want to be, you know? And I think that's to its credit, you know? But at the same time, it, I don't know, the story and it's throwaway. It's total throwaway, but then you're not playing for the story, you know what I mean? Yeah, the multiplayer yeah. side of it is just horde mode, which is fun and all, but at the same time, it's just horde mode, you know? Um, and I enjoyed playing it, but there's no enough there's no enough there to invest your time in at the moment DLC is coming of course but I wonder how the DLC will go because they've already released weapon packs I don't need to take it back yeah. um, to what you were saying there about the, the multiplayer I I think you played with Dell I had a wee go with Dell as well um, I, I feel as if the whole game should be co-op I, I think it's missing a trick 
because I, I got bored with this after a while because you know me I like my I like narrative in my games and stuff and there's not a lot to be had in this game there is but it's silly do you know mm. what I mean and that, that's not a problem the problem was there was other games out and I didn't want to sit and play it because I wanted to play them instead but um, I found I think if this had a full co-op mode the entire way through the game I would have probably stuck with we use, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? It would, I'd, I'd have been forced to play it because I'd, I'd, and it would have been a lot more fun because when, when you're playing it in co-op with your pals, it is a lot more fun. But when you're playing the multiplayer mode in it, it's all very time-based, so you're not even getting a chance to stop and check out each other's characters. And, do you know yeah. what I mean? It's, it's just, you're just getting shoved through one event to another and then it's over. I would yeah. say, yeah, I mean, I as I think I mentioned to you, Stu, when we were having the initial discussion, the biggest problem I had with the co-op was sometimes what you're doing is not overtly clear just by the mission description, which can lead to moments where the people that do know what they're doing are have already done it. You're, you're just about to get in your bearings and suddenly everyone's already done everything that needs to be done and it's finished. That doesn't mean that the end bit, which is the horde section where you need to protect your base, is not just all out mental crazy fun. I, have, I really enjoy that bit simply because of all the craziness that's going on but the individual missions you do to lead up to it can sometimes be very disconcerting because by the time you figure out what your role is it's over because it only lasts about what four or five minutes on a, on a good one basically um that kind of brings me to my, my other thing about the game and it's the the bits you're talking about that each uh, multiplayer session ends with one of these kind of base defense you have to defend defend the vat thing and you've got these in single player and I just find I don't know maybe it's just I don't go home with the game very well but I find defending the VATS is a bit of a nightmare in single player because suddenly you're having to hang around the one area whereas I'm very much used to the game's kind of trying it's best to tell you you need to stay mobile you need to be grinding about jump about the place keep your combo up and stuff like that but in order to do that you're kind of I find it difficult not to grind away for where the enemies are, for whatever gate they're at, and um, they're getting into my vat, and I've, I've no defended the base properly, and I, th- I feel as if if you had two or three people in there, I, I know in multiplayer, yeah, but it's with randoms, but if it was like me and, the, me and the two of you guys were doing that together, and we had bits that we had to, and we could shout out to each other, oh, that bit's, we need, we need to get somebody in there, and we need, do you yeah. know what I mean? I, I feel as if that's what's missing for it. The rest of the game's fine, single player, because it is, it's just, Grinding about, and I, I say one thing: the, the traversal in this game is amazing. It's really, really fun when you're not doing anything in particular. You're just going about looking for collectibles, grinding along the poles, swinging on things, you know, bouncing on other things. It, the game's a lot of fun, but it's that's the only part that I couldn't get into. And unfortunately, there's a lot of it in the game because yeah. that's what the each section kind of boils down to. You're going to have to at some point. Yeah. It back. sounds like there's a process behind that because obviously Stu would have had to go through that in order to get his. I think you fully yeah. completed all the achievements in that, so there, yeah. it's finding the process to that. But I can appreciate that there's always got to be a trial and error aspect to it. That if you don't pick it up straight away, it's going to be hugely frustrating. Mm-hmm. Aye, as I say, I, I think that's all. As it it's a game I'm going to come back to later on. It's just right now there was too much else. Yeah. It was it was frustrating me, but I will pick it back up. And I need to play some more multiplayer with you guys because I only got playing it with you, Del. But yeah. I think if you get two or three years in there, then it, it could yeah, be. I good. mean, I'm looking forward to spending a lot more time in it. I, it's the sort of thing that I can 
sit down, switch the brain off and just go, holy hell, look at all that stuff exploding, isn't that great fun? I, I mean, I know where Sue's coming from because it's not particularly deep and uh, because of the way it presents itself, it could also seem a bit throwaway. But sometimes you need that. Because uh, it sounds to you as if you were in a position of going, it's fine, it's okay, I enjoy it when I play it, but I don't have a great desire to keep going back to it. Well, that's... I, well, I, I, I did it and I did it. You know, I mean, I just was like playing it and I was like, well, I can do it. You know what I mean? It's, it's that. And like I say, I started Shadow and Mordor and I was kind of humming in hand about that because obviously that was a bit more... No heavier gone, but it's about the same. And I just was like, I'll go with Sunset because Sunset was just, like I say, it was a, it's a lot easier to play in short or sharp or bursts, you know? There's no really... The story mode doesn't push you too hard. So you could play it for 10 minutes and then switch it off. But at the same time, when you're playing it for 10 minutes, you've already collected four or five things yeah. whereas it's, it's about management isn't it it's about time management what can you do in short in your amount of time you have what can you do because the but, flip side of it is it's like I've got aliens sitting there now I know I'm not going to be able to play through a decent amount of aliens in that time frame whereas if I put this on I can run through it maybe do a few side missions do a few challenges and that's that whereas the aliens you, you don't only get about four or five fat and then be like oh fuck I need to go you know what I mean so it's all about kind of just managing your time and kind of thinking, right, I've got time for this, I've got time for that, I've no got time to do this, you know. Um, but I did enjoy it. I told, I did enjoy it. You know? I mean, I did get into it and I started messing about with, like I say, weapons combos and that. And I get really fast because when you go online with people, like you say, if you go online with people, people, you can see who knows how to play the game. It comes usually comes in, you race between events, so it goes like, right, next event's here. And it usually came between me and another guy racing and everybody else was just kind of struggling, no struggling, but plodding a line to get to it, you know what I mean? And it was like, you could tell the two guy, the guys that have know how to play and traverse on it, you know? So, what I'm saying, Stu, is, did you feel you had a kind of great desire, or whenever you were away from the game, going, you know what, I really want to go back and play Sunset Overdrive, or is it more a case of, I've got a couple of games on the go, I can probably fit this in. You, you, you enjoy playing it, but there's no kind of compulsion in you to continue to play it. You just know you wanted to finish it, because it was fun when you had a shot. You know, I, like, it, was, yeah. it, it was what it was, like, I think, yeah. like, Aliens is heavy going, Evil Within's pretty heavy going, Shadow and Mordor's no as heavy going, um, and I had this, and I tend to lean to this kind of stuff, so like this, Saints Row, the Deadpool game, something that's mm-hmm. just a bit easy going, just sit and play and shoot and fucking enjoy myself rather than a lot of heavy stuff before I got my work and stuff, yeah. so it was just time management, you know, it was just me kind of like going... Right, I can blast through this game. I know myself having played it. I'm like, I can blast through this game. And like I say, when uh, you were online between missions racing towards them, you could basically see the people who played it before because they know how to travel the <laughs> the map. You know, it was as if yeah. you were racing. So the group of seven, there might have been me and another guy who were actually chasing, like ch- racing to the next point. And I was kind of like, well, there you go. There's people who know what they're doing. You know, yeah. um, but. I enjoyed it. At the end of the day, it's a great game. Being able to pick it up for £25, you've won a watch. There's enough, like I say, I've put 30 hours on it. So there's 30 hours worth of enjoyment there, and it's not as if it's going to be taxing and stuff and that. So definitely worth the pick up, and you'll probably get it cheaper after, well, around about Christmas time, probably, I'd say, you know. But um, yeah, definitely good. Cool. Well, it's coming, boys. Here it comes. <laughs> now, now um, I just want to put a listener warning at this point in that. 
Steers not so um, well me talk for a very, very long time at this point, so if you see a long time period on your MP3 device, this'll be why. No, I'll try and keep it snappy. You've said that I before. Promise. I won't keep it snappy, but I'll try not to <laughs> go for too long. Okay. Um we'll get finished tonight, is what I'm saying. Right. Do you want to have done a most studio? Do you yes. want to take bets on that? Oh Christ knows. Uh, <laughs> we'll see where he goes at the start. Well, I picked myself up a copy of the wonderful Dragon Age Inquisition. And I don't even think I can talk about it. I think I'm done. Just wow. I'll see you all later, Job. <laughs> but um, no, I, anybody who's played uh, the original, this series before, I don't know if people feel the same as me, but I always felt Dragon Age was kind of the in-between game for Bioware. Where I like Dragon Age, but I'm really just playing it until the next ba- Mass Effect game comes out. But they have really outdone themselves this time, and I'm so glad I've played the others because it pays off so well in this game. So it's <coughs> it's you're a hack and slash RPG, um, just like the other ones. No, like uh, no, in the same vein as Skyrim. Um, as I say, it's very it's very much Mass Effect with swords and shields, the way the way it plays. Um, but it's huge. Absolutely huge. Um, I played the uh, the EA Access demo, the one, the, well, sorry, it's supposed to be the full game, but we're well, not even going to go into that, but it's not the full game. You get a six-hour demo where it doesn't let you go advance to the second mission. But I didn't even scratch the surface in that six hours. I played the entire six hours, and it puts you into one map, and I think I'd only done about 50% of the quests in it. And this game has about 10 maps of that size. And that's a big thing for this series because you never really had giant open world environments in Dragon Age before. It was kind of... You got big areas, but they were just like big dungeons. Does that make sense? But whereas in this, you've probably got a big giant world to explore. It's just that there's ten big giant worlds. And it's aye, it's huge. But the the combat, in terms of the combat, it's exactly the same as Dragon Age 2. They haven't really done much to change it. Right, okay, so just before you go any further, I'm... Going to jump in a little bit and say, so where are we starting off here? Let's say you've not done Dragon Age before. Where what are we? What's the kind of basic premise of where we're starting with this? Right, you play as well. I know you're eventually going to play as the Inquisitor, which is everybody kind of knows yeah. that. But you start off and you are a thief. Um, you're accused of being a thief. There's a, a religious figure called the Divine has been killed. And your character was the last person to see it. You've got a mark in your hand that for some reason can close rifts, like these big green portals that demons are crawling out of. But you're, for all intents and purposes, you're being accused of stealing that for the divine. And I don't want to go too far into why no. the rifts are happening, because that happens in the second act. And as I said, the whole payoff for having played the second game, they, they set this up well, but without signposting it, which is good. But, um, aye. You're kind of sitting at the point, if anybody played Dragon Age 2, you had the whole Templars versus the Mages situation. Did any of you guys nope. play it? Um. Right, okay. The the crux of that story is, um, the Templars are the people who are looking, that are supposed to look after the Mages, because Mages can, if they go to, push themselves too far, they can be taken over by demons, and kill everybody around about them. So Templar's jobs are to keep them in what's called circles, where uh, mages are kept safe, they're allowed to practice magic, but the Templars are there 
they look after them, but also to kill them if they turn into these abominations and keep everybody else safe. But there's been abuse over the years, and the Templars have... No, every single Templar, but a lot of the Templars on the whole have been abusing the power and have been like treating it more like a prison. And in the second game, there's there's a big mage rebellion, and this game kind of takes after that, which is quite cool because you very much dictate how the rebellion goes in the second game. So when this game comes into play, a lot of the stuff they're talking about was your fault in the second one, or maybe you kind of helped it happen in the second one. Maybe no, maybe your fault isn't the right terminology. Um, but as I say, it picks up for here. Your character has the ability to close down these rifts that have shown up, and they start up the Inquisition. So you get a gang of ragtags that you have to go about and pick up, a la Mass Effect and every other RPG game, and you're going out into the world to close down these rifts, but eventually you start to get so big and popular and famous that um, we start up the full Inquisition, and you're granted the powers of Inquisitor, and... It's, that's when the game gets really fun. Okay, so in, in that regard, it follows what I would class as the Mass Effect Shepard model of you start off as a kind of nobody slash someone that isn't necessarily seen as a good thing, but slowly begin to gain an influence. Very much. Very much so. And it's really, really cool, actually. They date, they date very well because your character is... But the point I'm in at the game right now, and I'm not sure if this is just because I'm a a goody two-shoes in the game, but my character is properly... When you walk about your base and you, you hear all the troops talking about you, my character is properly revered like, to almost, like, profit okay. levels. I mean, the reason I say that is because I also had a blast of the six-hour trial as well. And very much at the start, I got the impression that people looked at my character with a very high level of suspicion and at points disdain. Yep. So... It's interesting. I would be interested to see if you go about acting like a dickhead and, you know, executing everybody you get the chance to and taking things away from people when you've got the chance and just then generally being a nasty person. I wonder what it would be like then. But generally, although you've got this rift situation to take care of and then there's an arising thing that you're going to have to deal with in the second act, which basically basically takes over the whole game, um, although you've got this to deal with, you're also doing the whole diplomat thing where you're kind of balancing out the world as well and you're, you're helping out with other situations, but they all mainly come into the side quests and stuff. But you're dealing with other groups like the Grey Wardens, which were a big influence on the first mm-hmm. game. They're, the, they're like your Night's Watch for Game of Thrones. Um, there's, there's a lot of quest lines uh, that are on the side where you're kind of helping or even fighting against them sometimes as well. And there's loads of things like that, so it properly gets deep into the into the world. the The biggest thing about it, I would say, is is your companions in this game. Mass Effect's always been good with it, and so is so is um, Dragon Age. But you know, you get that thing where you come back for a mission, you go in all your companions and chat to them and see if there's a wee bit of extra dialogue and maybe the odd proper conversation where it goes to like a wee cutscene kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, you've got all that in this one, but there's there's a lot more to it. No, it seems to be you don't even need to do story missions to unlock that. You can go away and do a few side missions and side quests and come back and your characters have all got new things to say to you, uh, which then leads to more side quests and more chat in the long run kind of thing. But what they also do is, especially towards the later stages of the game, your characters interact with each other a lot more than in the other games. 
So if I go in to have a conversation with one character, as a wee Jimmy, mm-hmm. you're going to have a wee co- a conversation with wee Jimmy. <laughs> he'll actually be wee Jimmy will be actually in the middle of having a conversation with wee Tam, mm-hmm. and it's not just a conversation with him. It will be like a three-way conversation, and there's a lot of that stuff. It even cul- culminated in my favourite scene in the game so far, which was a five-minute-long poker game between you and seven of your companions. And I don't know how it picks what companions. They must be the ones that like you best kind of thing that they choose to do it. But at any point during this, there's always the option to hand in your chips and leave the conversation, but you can keep pushing mm-hmm. for it. And it's it's just wonderful the amount of extra stuff you can get. So, Which has kind of led me to be playing the game for a lot longer than I imagined I would be playing it for. Well, I do remember in the first game that I, I, remember, I played Origins on the 360. So I've played the first and finished the first, but I've not played the second. And I distinctly remember the first game, and it's something that, for whatever reason, he never did a Mass Effect that well, was that your characters always talked amongst each other when you were out in the field, and they were, they were quite happy to just have talk, you know, chats and discussions that didn't actually include you. There's a lot of context based stuff as well. Yeah, it didn't have to include you as a player. It wasn't determined by the fact that you were there. In some some ways, you felt as if you were if you weren't there, you would still have the same discussion, which mm-hmm. is quite you know it's a nice natural feeling to what was happening as opposed to them going we need some way to give you information how should we do it let's make these two people talk about it so it sounds yeah. like there's more of that that seems to be the impression I'm getting from you. There's a lot more in this game, and will you say that it's funny that you mention it that um, they'll have a conversation with each other and. Doesn't necessarily have to include you. In this, when you're wandering about doing side missions and stuff, and your characters are having the conversations, every so often it comes up where we gesture to press in the right stick, and you can actually get involved in that conversation while you're out in the boot, mm-hmm. which is quite cool. You've never had that before. Uh, but it, it does, it's. Um, Dragon Age very much leads you towards taking different parties every time you go, and go about. Because there's certain conversations will happen between certain characters, so you want to mix it up so that they can have those conversations. But there's a lot of context-based stuff, as I said as well. Like there was a, I think it's in my recordings, and it's really cool. There was a bit where I don't know if it's a random uh, situation or if it was a scripted thing, but I was running about a place called the Storm Coast, and as I came round the corner, I walked in. It was in the middle of a lightning storm, and there was a giant-ass dragon fighting a giant. And as I say, one of my characters at this point, instead of coming away with, oh, holy shit, or anything like that, he's like, <laughs> he just comes away with, that is badass. <laughs> but at which point I decided I'm not going to put my chips down in that poker table, so I just kind of hung about at a safe distance and watched them fighting while I picked flowers. So, so the only other question I've got is combat. How is... Cause when, I had, when I played the trial version... I appreciate I had a very limited combat experience. I wouldn't have had anywhere near the amount of spells or abilities that you would get like 20, 30, 50 hours in. But it seemed quite enjoyable. You can take charge of any of the characters. You can have an overhead view that admittedly only allows you to do basic things, but you can at least decide to attack, use health, cast a spell, that sort of thing. So it in game stuff is it's exactly the same. It's just more, mm-hmm. as you say. It's just, I mean, I've got uh, so many abilities that I can't even remember to use half of them. 
I've, I generally go between about four of them. My four most powerful and most loved moves over and over again. Um, mostly you see the other characters doing other different mm-hmm. moves, which is quite cool. Uh, as I say, it doesn't, it doesn't change it up too much except for just ups the scale later on. But one of the things is, and this is a wee tiny problem with it, but I've got over it as I've played through the game and kind of got into the nuances of it. But Dragon Age Origins and Dragon Age 2 had a proper programming system for your party members, which, like, you can... Like, you would get, like, maybe eight slots, and in each slot you can put in, like, oh, so if five enemies are grouped together, use this area of effect spell. Yeah. If, if a party member falls below... 25% health, use heal on them, that kind of stuff. And you could probably program your, your squad up. You could ignore that if you wanted and go for preset ones, but that's boring, <laughs> do you know what I mean? But uh, In this, they've replaced that, and I didn't really get it until later on in the game, but instead of actually setting them for certain situations, you pick preferred moves. So if I go into battle with my mage, um, you've got, you can set moves not to use, because there's certain ones on the tree that you've unlocked, just so you can get to the later on ones, and you don't want your characters wasting their MP on it, so you can deactivate that move in the menu and say, like, never use that move, because it's a waste of time. Okay. Um, you can put little checks beside all the other ones that you want them to use, and then you can pick a few, you can pick as many as you want, but it would be silly to pick more than maybe three to put a star beside, mm-hmm. and it's like, that's basically saying always use this move, when you have the ability, use it all the time. And it's not quite as in-depth as the tactics menu, but I can kind of see how maybe that would have been a bit hard for new players. But at the same time, the original game had the ability to totally ignore that and pick between the four or five presets, so you could pick, like, offensive, defensive, healer, all that yeah, kind of but stuff. but that comes... Uh, that, this is where we have the discussion of if you've got, like, 0.5% of your playing population ever using it, do you spend yeah. a lot of time on that making it work, or do you build a whole new area? I, I get so, it. As I say, I get it, yeah. mate. It's, it's just, it was hard to take because it was my favourite yeah. thing for the Dragon Age games. Uh, it's very similar to the the Gambit system for is it Final Fantasy Twelve. Yes, it is. That was, oh, that programming. was such a good system. I mean, it, it, Well, it was almost the exact same thing. It basically exploded and, your head because you sat there and went, how the, what, what? What do I, how do I make him do this? But it, Aye was absolutely if you wanted to go macro like level with that sort of stuff you could it was mental yeah uh, well as I said it was like, it's like they had that in the first two games Very a very very close representation of that exact mm-hmm. same system and as I said I've taken out, out in favour of this preferred moves usable moves and deactivated moves which it's, it's not so bad uh, I just kind of wish that I could pick because you could like, you could go right deep into it and you could say, like, if the target is of a certain strength, like a certain amount of HP, yeah. um, use these moves. So, Or if there's a lot of enemies, use this one. But whereas now I'm going into dragons, and the people are using their area of effect spells, uh, and they're using the ones, like the big heavy hitting moves on small enemies and stuff like that. And the, the way you can balance that out is, at any point during the battle, you can press the select button, and... Tell all, all your characters moves today and suddenly it becomes more like an RTS yeah. because the game's paused and you can give um, commands to all four characters, including your own, 
and then you just hold one of the triggers and it fast forwards time until they've done that and then you pick another move for them. So you can, if you really, really want to, you can play it as an RTS. Can, can you stack moves? No, which is kind of... It kind of takes away from it for me because they moves at different speeds. So it means you're no choosing four moves, fast forwarding it a bit and then choosing another four moves. You're having to fast forward until somebody's done nails and, then, and it just becomes really stop-starty. So... It's not really what I'm looking for. I kind of I prefer to get stuck into it because I play a, a two-handed warrior. You see, so I like to kind of get into the nitty gritty and and, and amongst the situations. Do you know what I mean? And when I've suddenly got to, in order to be tactical, as I say, if I'm fighting against a big badass dragon, I'm gonna have to go into this pause mode and start dishing out individual orders and kind of st- slows down the game for me and takes away the pace that I like mm-hmm. for it. But as I say, it's not a big issue. And you don't have I'm to. You don't have to follow it if you don't want to. In terms of no, I feel I feel as if, if, if I'm going to try to play it. Yeah, if I'm going to try and play it on a harder difficulty, I think I'm really going to have to get into the whole playing it in tactical. Yeah, but that does but lead me to the I'm question of: that. Is the game a piece of piss? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. No, I've had my ass handed to me several Fair times. Um, generally speaking, enemies your your level. So if you're level like I'm level twenty one mm-hmm. right now. Um, if you fight against level 21 enemies you're going to have a bit of a fight in your hands regardless of what type of enemy they are it's going to be a proper fight Um, you're you're probably not going to die unless it's a boss at that level but generally speaking you're going to use a good few potions up you're going to get it's going to the the battle's going to last you a good few minutes to fight off like maybe five or six enemies so there's there's a nice bit of challenge in it I wouldn't play it on easy because um, girl I'm talking to for work played it on easy and she had the dragon, the first dragon you encounter in the hinterland, she had it defeated when she was level 13 and I couldn't fight that thing until I was level 19 and as I say you're the, your cap's 30 in this game I believe okay. so as I say level 19 is a pretty high level you're talking about the high, the upper levels of the game at this point, whereas she was able to beat that dragon at 13 and on easy so I would definitely avoid that but normal's a fair enough challenge so- I would say some of the bosses have given me a hard time Because well. I've heard, and I don't know if you've had this, if you go and complete like every single side quest in the first area, when you get onto the story mission in the next area, you are vastly overpowered. Yeah, um, you're right. And But when you're going to pick the enemy the areas, and you pick them for this thing called the war map, which I'll get to in a wee minute, the war table, mm-hmm. sorry. But when you're choosing the missions, it kind of tells you Recommended level for this mission is 16 to 20. And 20, even if you play it on 20, it's going to still be a nice tough mission for you because the enemies will get to maximum yeah. your level. Uh, if you play it at the lower levels, you're probably going to level up quite a bit playing the mission. So when I first started playing the games, as, as you'd heard me saying in the chat, and I think a lot of people made this mistake, I just went uh, side quest heavy. And because I'd done that, by the time I decided to settle down and play the story missions... I was sitting at level 11 to do level 7 missions and stuff like that, and I it's it becomes a bit unsatisfying when the big be-all and end-alls that are supposed to be trying to end the world are a lot tougher than a group of six bandits that you ran into randomly. Yes, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because, because you fought them at the... So I would definitely recommend that. That's the, the, the biggest piece of advice you can get to anybody in this game is don't over-level for the story missions, but as I say, they, they do a good job of marking what level you should play these missions unless you, at. Unless you and want you... to. I mean, part, I'll be honest, part of me would, doesn't mind that, because 
I kind of, if, maybe I just want to get through the story missions and it's like, well, I know if I play the side stuff, I'll get through them a bit easier. Uh, to give you an example, mate, right? Um, I have taken, I took on a side mission a lot earlier on in the game where you have to take on five targets. They're quite heavy going targets. Uh, it's five mages mm-hmm. that you have to take out that run the wilds. And they're in different maps. So there's one in each, one in this map, one in that map, blah, blah, blah. Uh, one of the maps I didn't unlock until recently because you get further on in it and it's like level 19 giants you're having to fight and I was massively underleveled for them and I walked away from it. But for some reason, because it's an early game quest, even though it's a level 19 area, the guy that I was supposed to be fighting, who's supposed to be a kind of badass wizard, was level 11 and I killed him with one standard hit. And I felt really disappointed by it because it was the last in this set and I was looking forward because the other ones had gave me a challenge earlier on in the game and suddenly I come across this one and you're, you're just wiping them out with one shot. And I'd imagine the, the single player campaign could get very much like that. And I'm not going to say who, but the boss you're fighting is supposed to be pretty bloody badass. Like, I've been following him about the game and he's supposed to be terrifying and he looks terrifying. And if I get to him and I can beat him in a couple of minutes, I'm going to be disappointed. Which puts me in a conundrum right now because I've now activated the last mission. I can now enter the last mission and complete the game. Recommended level is 22. I'm sitting at 21. Which means if I do the side quests, I'm going to go too high for them. But apparently if I beat the game, a lot of the side quests are going to deactivate by the end of the game because of what happens. So I kind of want to do all the missions, but I also don't want to be over-leveled for the last boss. I want to have a proper nice fight. Can you have a save and then... I'm going to do that, that's my decision. Once I get to 22, I'm going to save it, go and fight the last boss, watch the last cutscene play out and all that stuff, and then I'm going to reload the save and start doing all the side missions and I'll do it again later on. But, aye, uh, that's... The, the, the last thing I would mention is it's got the war table, which is, if anybody's played Assassin's Creed Brotherhood or Revelations, you know, when you were building up the Assassin's Guild, you could send out Assassin's to do missions mm-hmm. for you. You've got something similar in this. So, as well as your nine companions, you get three advisors, and they're actually just as important to the story, like in terms of, you know, coming back to your base, talking to people, doing side missions for them, romancing them, things like that. These characters are just as important as your nine uh, battle characters that you take out with you. So, effectively, you've got 12 companions to talk to in this game. But you send these guys out to do these time based missions for you. And sometimes they're like 12 minutes to go and gather your resources. Well, I'm at the point right now where I don't have any new ones. And you get the ones that are scattered about that can be done over and over again to get you more resources and stuff. And I'm sending them away to do it before missions and come back and collecting them. But you get proper, like, ones that take 21 hours. Yeah. That's the longest one I've seen. But it's all it all plays while you've got the game switched off. So it's all time-based. So if it's 21 hours, if I turn off the game, save it, turn it off, and come back 21 hours later, the quest is done. Mm-hmm. So um, that's quite good. And a lot of the time, these things have effect on the actual game as well. So some of them, are, as I say, some of them are as simple as go to this area, and it's usually the areas you've been to, uh, and go gather me resources, and they'll come back for that area 12 minutes later with some of the herbs that you can find in that area, and maybe some of the ores that you can find in that area. It's a good way of picking these things up without having to keep going about and farming them and stuff. You can just send them to do it for you. But, aye, as I say, sometimes it's a case of 
there was a there was a I'll give you an example of it being spoilery and saying who but there's a situation where there was a character who had committed a crime and I didn't want this person getting executed for the crime and you can either go ahead and watch the execution as a mission so that you actually get go along watch it happen or sad and stuff or you can use one of your missions as you can actually send one of your advisors to go and free him which means instead of going to that place to do the mission suddenly the mission takes place at your base and you judge the guy instead so that kind of thing there's a lot of that goes on with it so it's not just a simple mini game like an assassin's creed where you're just collecting more money and it's just something else to, it's it's actually affecting what's happening in your story which is really cool but i think i've probably spoke a bit much about this i'll probably still be playing it because i've got loads of side quests today um, I've got the ending of the story today and I've not even touched on how good the story is but it's properly rousing at points um, I've been listening to the soundtrack and everything and the soundtrack kind of brings me back to scenes that happened in it and that's a very good thing it's very rare that a game gets me that well mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so there's properly nice emotional beats funny beats, everything but the other thing I want to try out is the multiplayer I went into it once and it feels very much like Raiden and Destiny well, maybe not Raiden but Striking and Destiny um, you get a team of guys and you go in and you're fighting your way through a dungeon and there's some holdy bits and stuff like that but if you go in with people that you don't know and you're only talking to each other you're going to yeah. die so I think I want a few people to have this game so we can play the the multiplayer Well together. I'm probably going to start playing it properly in the next couple of weeks once once Ethan Carter's done and I do quite like the idea of getting my teeth into something that is a bit more narratively driven and not, I don't need Ethan Carter's narratively driven, but something that has a lot of speech, a lot of dialogue, some choices which may or may not be comfortable. And so far, everybody's been pretty, pretty doolally about this game. It all got Game of the Year at the Game Critic Awards, or whatever, the Video Game Awards, whatever that Jeff Keighley advert <laughs> roadshow is, basically. Yeah. Uh, which is, is that the accurate name for it? Cause that basically seemed to be all it was. I don't know. Um, do. So yeah, we'll yeah. With. I'm really looking forward to getting stuck in with that. Yeah, and I think I might have converted Dash to the cause as well. And Stu, I hear, is getting a free Christmas, aren't you, mate? Aren't one. Well, don't spoil the surprise. It's a Christmas no. miracle. Oh, it's not, I love the way you say "don't spoil the surprise" as if I found it. For I know. Fuck, you, and, <laughs> you and Nick were talking, weren't you? <laughs> well, he told me you'd been a right bastard, but I persuaded him that you actually. That's why he's getting. That's why I'm getting it. Isn't it? That's what it is. It's like yeah. I was smoked him by um, buying him Dragon Age. Big gone. Now that, now that it looks like four years are going to have this game, um, I would say we need to get a wee strike team together and pick some classes that complement each other and go into it for level one together. Because I was playing it with higher level players who were wiping the flare with the enemies, but also I was kind of just getting smashed. So I'd like to play it with people my level and properly get into it together. Good, yeah. So if you guys are up for that, let's do it. Well, you know me, I always try anything multiplayer. It's always, always good for a laugh. Yeah. But yeah, Dragon Age Inquisition. Excellent. Game of the year. <laughs> game, of, game of the year. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Tuck that in. Tuck you, that in. You, you, you had such a sensible conversation until you put oh. that in there. Oh, man. No, <laughs> hope I've tried it's my best, Dark, mate. I, I could have been a lot worse. I've Dark been, Souls 2 game of the year. I've, I've been ho- to be to be fair, listeners, considering the amount he has talked about it in his, in the uh, WhatsApp no conversations, I'm quite, I'm quite surprised that he sounded so restrained while talking about it. I, I'm shaking. 
I'm actually ah, but that's the, that's, uh, that's the first strike. Now we've got an Assassin's Creed paradox where it'll just keep going and going and going. And <laughs> 67 months down the line, we could still be going and going. No, no, I don't think so. I can see myself being, unfortunately, being done with this game within the next week. Let's be honest, right, before we finish this, how many hours do you have on your in-game clock? Just under 130. There you go. And it's been out for, what, uh, two weeks, three weeks? Mm, three weeks. Well, probably, weeks. probably a month when this hits. It'll be even more. <laughs> but, uh, on that bombshell, uh, it's time to call it a night. So, aye, if anybody wants to get in touch with console ninjas podcast, something. <laughs> <laughs> you you <laughs> know at, where we are. At console underscore ninjas on Twitter. You've heard it before. It'll be in the show notes. And it's a night. See you all later, guys. Bye. Catch you. That's a Christmas